I think it was 1999. I got a letter from my college. I was 62 years old. Gosh, it sounds so young now. <laughs> I'd been living here in Ireland for more than 30 years at that stage. And it was a um, gentleman who was wanting to get in touch with me in relation to a bequest. But I was the one that would have to contact him because of privacy, permission or whatever. But I just said, that's the past to myself. We had our television in the kitchen. It was up on a shelf, up quite high, and I took the letter and I just put it under the, under the television. The very thought of you, and I forget to do. I didn't have a clue then that this letter would change my life. My name is Susan. I was born in New Haven, Connecticut, in the USA, in 1937. So this year, I turned 85. I'm happy as My dad was an engineer with a telephone company, the first in his family to go to college because his parents were from Germany. They were immigrants. Yeah, it was quite studious. I love, I like read me books. And I always did well in school. Report cards, get all A's. Primary school, then high school was a Catholic school. That was like a big deal. I wanted to go to the school because the nuns wore white and the blackboards were green. So I fell in love with that scene. I thought I would like to be a nun. In Life magazine, I saw a picture of nuns playing basketball and swimming, even in their habits. And I thought, oh, that sounds like fun. I didn't want to be a nun unless I could play sports as well. I think it must have been, although I can't remember bluntly, that I was afraid of sex. Somehow in there at the same time, I remember I started to fancy boys. And that letter I got all those years later was about a boy. My name is Raymond. Uh, a lot of people just love to use Ray. I was born in New Haven, Connecticut, September 18, 1932. My brother was 18 months older than me, and we were very close. He was uh, named Jack. Jack was gay, very obviously gay. He had the swish, the hands, very pernickety about things. When I was about 12 years old, my brother, who was an avid theater-goer, took me to the Schubert Theater in New Haven, Connecticut. I says, what is it? Brigadoon. Maybe the sun gave me the power Cause I could swim like Loman And be home in half an hour Maybe the air gave me the drive Once I got hooked, I couldn't wait to go to another show. I don't think uh, in growing up that my parents knew that he was gay. I would imagine being gay in New Haven in the 1940s must have been hard on him. I was into athletics, and uh, I was on the basketball team. And one of the older guys saw me, and he says, oh... That's uh, 
Jack's brother, and he's hollering across the, the locker room. His brother's a queer. I don't care how big he was or anything else. I tore into him. Of course, he kicked the living bejesus out of me. And I said to myself, Jack will never know about this, about how I got beat up for you. I met Ray in December of 1952. For me, junior prom was a bigger deal than the senior prom. I was 15, and you're in school still when we have our junior prom. It's not like the Debs here. You have to go. I had asked this one boy, Jerry Dwyer, and he turned me down. I was so turned down that I couldn't bring myself to ask another. My friend Carol, one of my very closest friends, had a boyfriend named Inky. Inky was about 19. Carol asked Inky, could he find a date for me for the prom? This buddy of mine comes to me and he says, uh, Ray, I'm going out with this girl, but she can't go unless her friend goes with her. Could you do me a favor and go out with her friend? I says, yeah. How old is this girl? She was 15 and I was 20. And I said to him, no way am I going out with a kid. Oh, please, he says, please, or else the, her friend won't come with me. And I says, oh, okay. So Ray then was my blind date for the prom. 27th of December, 1952. Just after Christmas. And there where we lived, it was snow and ice, especially ice and... All the trees were scintillating. And I mean, I'm really quite sure that that added to the romantic feeling that I had anyway. And yeah, it was, it's just pretty. Sounds like a, a song, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, the weather outside is frightful, but the fire. I wore a, a very beautiful dress. I loved that dress. It was kind of white, I think, with pink bits and pieces on it. And. Uh, little sleeves and a kind of scooped neck. It was really pretty. I loved it. The thing I remember the most was her coming down the stairs with her mother behind her. And uh, her father and I stood up as she came down. Earth angel, Earth and I said, oh my God, what a nice looking young lady this is. My darling dear I thought he was nice and I know he was handsome, but I don't remember if I noticed. I just danced, and it was pleasant. First day, first day, tonight was her first day. I think Inky was driving. The American boys had cars. We were sitting together, very close, in the back seat of the car. We're at my house, and Ray took my chin like that up him and gave me first kiss. Lovely kiss! Wow. It was so gentle and so sweet, you know, and felt good. It was so nice. I never forgot that kiss. I walked her to the door, and typical gentleman, I said, good night. I didn't even say I'll see you again or not. You know, I just left it like that. And then, of course, I was in love and waited then for a couple of days for a phone call from him. And I thought, come on, if he likes me, he'll phone me right away. 
And I didn't really understand my feelings. Did I really uh, feel for this young lady, or is this just a, a fly-by-night affair? And the more the days went by, I knew I had to see her again. So we saw each other every weekend. We were like an item, <laughs> pre-engagement, kind of. But falling in love is falling in love. <laughs> you know, you kind of don't think of the obstacles for proper falling in love. I see your face in every flower, your eyes in stars above. Back then, we had a special song, The Very Thought of You. I was 20 years old when I was drafted into the United States Army. A very good friend of hers gave me a goodbye party. And the cutest thing of all was uh, my friend's mother grabbed a hold of her and get in the hall and do a proper goodbye. You, you kind of knew where you were going to be going was going to be a career. Aggression in Korea was promptly met and gallantly withstood by forces of the United Nations, and the decision to fight on this grim battlefield may perhaps have prevented an evil... In Korea, I was in an infantry outfit, but uh, you were a front-line troop. It was 1953. I'd just turned 16 when Ray went off to the Korean War. The idea that Ray was going there or was there was just scary. I'll tell you something. It scared the shit out of you. We were out on patrol, and me and my companion, who was a Korean, and uh, uh, he pushed me down. Then all of a sudden, I looked up, and I saw a flash. And you knew it was a, a rifle shot. So then I picked up my rifle, and I shot where I thought the light had come from. And uh, Korean said to me, I think you got him. I never know if I did or I didn't. I haven't thought about that. I don't want to think about it. Yeah, I wrote to Ray almost every day. She was my pen pal. She was my lifesaver. I had to write a letter to Sue and tell her about my day. It was nice getting her letters to hear about how things were going in high school and this and that and everything else. It gave you home, and she was home. Now, with many representatives of both sides present, a truce has been signed. I was there about seven, eight months, and the war ended, and I came offline. Rejoice that for all the men who are bearing the burden of this war, a halt January of 1954, I was discharged from the United States Army. I get off the bus, and then all of a sudden I hear this scream. My arms out like this, screaming, screaming. Yeah, then I, you know, I knew right away it was her. And then she jumps in my arms. The very thought of you And I forget to do I don't know if Ray was affected by his time in Korea, but when he came back, things changed. I was 17, almost 18. 
but I knew that we should break up because I thought I was too young to really settle down. And that's when she gave me the big spiel about how she didn't want to do any more of this. So, I mean, this was my girl for three years. Now what? Within about five months of breaking up, I did get in touch with him. You know, could we meet? That was around the 1955. Whatever conversation we got into, very early on, he told me that he had another girlfriend. So that was a bit embarrassing on my part because my reason for getting in touch was I thought we might be able to get back together again. I probably wanted to be the one to call the shots, <laughs> not him telling me he was, he was busy. He had a girlfriend. I went to work in the, the United States Post Office and that's how I met my future wife. I think I was 25 when I got married, yeah. And Ray ended up marrying that girlfriend, and I was alone. Guess what we brought home from the honeymoon? Number one son. I went to college in New Haven. I studied sociology in college and a minor in English. The summer before my last year of college, I met a fellow, and uh, we started dating. I, I think I thought... Maybe this is the guy for me because I was, I got very attracted. You know, there was a lot there that I was interested in. He told me that he was planning to go to Europe. And uh, then at Christmas, I got the big liner and went over to France where he was starting to study in the Sorbonne. Like for, to be in Europe. For an American then, it was just next to never. We had an invitation from a friend of his who lived in Dublin to come to visit. I did enjoy Ireland. So then we went back to France, got married in June, and we came here on our honeymoon. And we spent two weeks at least traveling around Ireland. It never rained. It was sunny all the time. It was wonderful. And nine months later, I had my honeymoon baby. So then, uh, after a year and a half or so, we moved to Germany. So then we went back to America, finished all the studies, four years. By 1963, I was 26. We had two children and were living in Northwest Oregon. My then husband had been posted to work there as an electronic engineer. I was comfy in America, you know? So I was kind of sorry that he wanted to come back to Ireland for one year. He said, one or two years. I kind of had to come. I arrived in Ireland with three children and one more on the way in December 1965. Even though I didn't know it then, that was a permanent move and I've been here ever since. Well, you see Dublin Bay tides out. I'd rarely go in the sea now. Certainly not uh, winter time. Except last summer, it was, there was a nice hot patch early August, and I did go in about four times at least. What do I like about Dublin? You do 
always, almost always bump into somebody you know, and that's nice. My fourth child was born in Dublin, 1966. So we had four children within five or six years. That stage I was 29. And then I began to settle in, eventually got a, rented a house. It was a lovely house, really. Uh, my husband used to occasionally tease me in a nice way, you know, because he knew the name, Ray. Or just tease and I'd brush it off. For a long time, I didn't really think about Ray, nor his brother Jack, for that matter. Jack desperately wanted to be an actor, but he just couldn't get started in New Haven. And he had a, a girl who was gay, and the two of them moved to New York together and set up an apartment, and they would go to every uh, rehearsal and try out and try to get into the theater because that was his dream which never came. It affected him because the quest was always there. He moved to California. He had a, a bad romance, a fellow that uh, kind of took him over the coals. In other words, he milked Jack for every nickel and dime he had as far as I know. And then eventually he just upped and left him. And uh, it devastated him, it really did. I was only married seven or eight years, but had four children then. Uh, my husband, the babysitter, and he ran off together. Ran off, I don't know if they ran, but they went. <laughs> he was going away on business to Scotland. And just then, that day, he told me that um, she was going with him. And that's when I lay down on the floor. I just, that was the end of life, you know, in some ways. Kicking and screaming. Not that I was going to stop him from going. <laughs> I could bring back that feeling again, you know, without, without too much trouble. Now, I, I don't mean to be exaggerating, but it was the end of life. It was physical pain from breaking up and then lasted a year. It was around 1967, and I was about 30 years of age. So I was now a single mother with four children. Even though I didn't know it, Ray was now divorced, and we were both single. Yeah, I was married for, for 25 years and had three sons. You know, we had a meeting on the mines. We got divorced and went our separate ways. It was hard being a single mother in Ireland in the 1970s and 80s. I remember doing night class in um, UCD in literature, a couple of hours, once a week. We had a coffee break, and I used to bump into this guy, and we'd have coffee together, standing there. I thought kind of maybe that he might ask me out on a date, you know, because he knew I was divorced. Then he said, would you mind if uh, we got together with my girlfriend, he said to me, because she's never met a divorced person. <laughs> that's, how, that's what it was like. <laughs> you wouldn't be invited out, like, to dinner parties or that, because in those days people were quite, quite 
fixed on having couples. I mean, I did go to a Kaylee across the street from our house. And I, I was quite shocked that the men wouldn't come and ask you to dance. And one lady who's re- really attractive, she said, I always leave when the dancing starts. So I think that's kind of cruel because it's hard to be on your own in that situation. Yeah, well, a couple of years later then, I, I met a very nice fellow. He was an Irishman and very attractive. Yeah. I was in love. <laughs> we had a child. We had a relationship for a couple of years. Yeah, so when I met him and you know became close to him, I felt that I was really bonding with Ireland, which was, for me, positive. But I think I felt it wasn't uh, monogamous on his part. On my part, it was just a wish to be committed. But um, I didn't know that Ray ever really thought about me through all those years. But apparently he did. Or at least his brother did. Jack added so much to my life in, in things that he did for me. We talked on the phone periodically. A couple of years went by and I remarried. That was the early 80s. He had this uh, fixation when I told him I was going to get married again. He asked, what about Sue? That was the girl for you. You know, you made a mistake. What do you mean? I made a mistake. That was the girl for you. Things were tight financially for me and for my ex-husband. He was married again. He called me once to say, would I think about them coming to live in my house? The house was big enough. They took the room at the very top of the house for their bedroom. And then we kind of shared the living room and the dining room and the kitchen and that. And whenever I think when I made new friends, like through work eventually, I never really told anybody about it. It was like my, it was my home life was my secret life. So by now, Ray was married for a second time. Yeah, I was married for at least five years uh, the second time. She was a nice girl, no question about it. But, you know, you just weren't on the same wavelength. Just wasn't there, you know. When that ended, uh, I kept thinking to myself, is this all there is, uh, as the song goes? Is that all there is? If that's all there is, my friends, then let's keep dancing. So in the early 1970s, I did get a job doing market research, just part-time, really. Then I got a job as a tour guide. And for the next three decades, more or less, I really loved the job and it suited me in every way. Yeah, I remember the contraceptive train. That was um, progress. Yeah, very great. And Mary Robinson and so many things were opening up. I do remember very clearly um, the night that Annie, who had the affair with Bishop Casey, was interviewed on The Late Late Show by Gay Byrne. Is he Eamon's child? Yes, he is. Well? And you could put me in a firing squad, and I'd say he is Eamon's child. I have been... What a drama, a huge drama. I, I was watching the TV that night, and I thought it was so exciting, my God. But my poor friend was very Catholic. Her husband was saying to me she was down on her knees 
in front of the television, like in bits, to hear that a bishop had got up to that kind of a trick, you know? I didn't know that in the early 90s, Ray's brother Jack passed away. Jack, when he died, was uh, in his mid-60s. He had a heart attack, boom. And I had to clean out all his personal stuff, and I found this box. I had a note inside. It said, for Susan. So I knew where he wanted it to go. I, he liked her, and uh, therefore, in, the, in his mind, he figured, well, maybe there's an outside chance they might get together, especially after two divorces. So then, all of a sudden, I started to think about Susan. I traveled many, 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 many times to Killarney, and uh, always at the end, you came down past the lakes of Killarney on your left, and usually we stopped and looked. But in a guidebook that I'd had and used originally, uh, it said that the view of the lakes of Killarney is like your first kiss you'll never forget. At that point, I actually did think of Ray because my first really nice, proper kiss <laughs> was with Ray. You know, it was really lovely, so I never forgot that. Forgot everything else. So, getting back to the letter. Yeah, I figure, you know, maybe if I get an address where she lives now, I'll put it in a container and a little note and say, my Jack wanted you to have this and send it off to her. In 1999, I received this letter out of the blue, the one I put away under the television. At this stage, I was 62 years old, so Ray would have been 67. I went to her college, and uh, I asked the lady if I could have Susan's address. I, says, uh, I explained who I was. And she says, we can't do that. She says, I will write a letter and tell her that, is it all right if we give him your address? So I did ring. It was an answering machine. I just left my, my number. In other words, that was giving him permission to ring me. He called me back a day, maybe later, or two days later. And I was on a tour with Germans. We were down in Dunlow Castle, down in Killarney, a gorgeous place. And uh, the phone rang in my room. And I says, yeah, it's me. I says, it's been a long time. I, I've been thinking about you, and I wanted to know how you were. And we got to talking. And she just sounded so wonderful on the phone. And I was hooked. We were there talking for an hour. We still only scratched the surface. But it was such a treat, you know. And then I had to go because I had to go down and have dinner with the group. When I walked into this lovely dining room with the mountains and all, would you believe on the piano was a pianist and he was playing our song, Ray and My Song, from 40 years before. The very thought of you. The very thought of you was our song. And I forget to do. <laughs> the location and the lovely chat we'd had. A little ordinary thing. It was almost like I fell in love with him, just like that, with the music. Yeah. And there was something about the way she sounded. 
She sounded so real. So I says, she's awful nice. And that started it. And so this became a routine now that I, I started to call her. I remember he said he loved me on the phone. And I, I put my, I couldn't believe it. it was a bit too quick to be saying that. I thought and my girlfriend was in the kitchen. And I put my hand over the phone. I, I said, just a minute. I ran out to her and I said, he's saying that he loves me already. <laughs> well, I probably felt I loved him too, but I w you wouldn't say it yet. That's when I knew uh, I can't let her get away again. The longing here for you you never know how uh, He said it'd be nice if you, you could come over to America, if you were coming over, if, if you could come over. And I didn't know whether I should say. I was 20, 18, 19 when I'd last seen him. And this time now I was in my mid-60s. I, I thought for a minute, and then I said, well, I am coming over. And I was going to my niece's wedding. Yeah, I brought with me my granddaughter. She was then 15 or 16, Samantha. And she was a witness. So he, Ray was meeting us in Newark Airport. And we were about the last probably to come off that flight. And poor old Ray was, he was very nervous anyway, as you would be. So I was nervous too. And I looked at the board, and all the flights were in. Nobody. And I'm saying, where the heck is she? Where could she possibly be? And all of a sudden, down the aisle comes a trolley, and this woman dressed up in a beautiful dress. And I said, that's her. And I ran up, Sue, and she says, yes. And uh, we gave each other a little hug. So we stopped in a friendly, pretty nice coffee shop. Samantha had to go to the loo, and Ray was standing up, and I just took him by his the necktie and pulled him down, gave him a big kiss. And then we drove on up to, um, up to Albany. I had um, a woman's heart. I'd already sent it to him, I think, or whatever, and I, we played it in the car. But that made me all just in the car on that way up. I kind of properly fell in love with him. My heart is low, my heart is so low, as only a woman's heart can be. And um, I was really frustrated sexually, you know. Years and years, I think, had passed. So I was raring to go, you know. <laughs> so we finally got to my sister's house in Albany. We did go up to the bedroom with Ray. I kind of, and we kind of had a big kissing experience, just kissing. And uh, then somebody knocked on the door, and I think it was the niece that was her bedroom. <laughs> when we met, Ray finally gave me the little box, the one that was left to me by his late brother Jack, the bequest. Outside, it's red and gold. And it's printed with love. It's on there. By appointment of the Queen. Halcyon days enameled. It's kind of a small egg-shaped jewelry container. And this was what was bequeathed to me around 1999. I was thinking big 
money. <laughs> that was the I think excuse. So. Really? I really wanted to see him. So. Are you serious, Ray? What? That you really... I, I don't know. Did you really... You were hoping to meet me in the process of finding me for that? Yeah. Oh, that's nice to know. Yes. Now it all made sense. Jack had left me this box, but the gift Jack was actually giving me was not the jewellery box itself, but his brother Ray, my first love, bringing us back together. I know the fact that Jack had a box for me made me feel really good because I thought, God, I only knew Jack way back, decades before, and that I must have made an impression on him then when I was kind of still in my teens. You know, it gave my ego a good boot up because uh, somebody thought so much of me and remembered me so much later. But really, you were only just going to give me the box. Yeah. And that was going yeah, to be I, it. Yeah, I figure, you know, maybe if I can an address where she lives now, I'll put it in a container and a little note and say, my Jack wanted you to have this and send it off to her. But once I started talking to her on the phone, <clears throat> Jack was not in the picture. <laughs> the very thought of you And I forget to do After we met up and went to my niece's wedding, I had to go back to Ireland. So we went back to our phone calls for the next few months. Our love was long distance. We were having a very long distance relationship. And uh, so I decided this is it. I'm going to ask her if she would marry me. That was 2001. It's very clear. Our love is here Our love to is stay. Here to stay. For a year, Not for a year, ever and a day. And a day. Our, love is here Our love is here to stay. To stay. A few months later, I came to Ireland with the ring. Together we're. I said to her, I'm only going to ask you once. Going a long, long way. Will you marry me? She took the ring, put it on her finger, turned around, walked out of the room. <laughs> <laughs> I had to wait 10 more years before she said, I think we should get married. That's my I memory. Said, I waited for a little while because I had to think about it. And then I said, I'll take it and put it on my finger because it'll be safe. Our love is here to stay. And uh, so then I decided it's my chance to move to Ireland. It was an adjustment, no question about it. You know, when I moved to Ireland, she uh, lived in Dunleary. A lot of things were so different. Uh, I said, this is going to be a lot of fun for me. I have to meet the family, all her kids, all, uh, all her friends, everybody was thrilled for her. It took a long time, 
but eventually in 2011, we decided to get married. It was 10 years after we'd gotten engaged. I think it was different things that were blocking me. Remember that I wouldn't find a dress that looked nice enough on me with the extra weight of the older years. And But once I, once I got that dress, it was so gorgeous. It was so pretty and very, so appropriate. It was 11, 11, 11 when we got married. Imagine that, we didn't even notice. And so we got married in the Quaker Meeting House in Monkstown, Dublin. And so many of our friends and family celebrated with us. Jill, Jill, Kira, Sierra, Mark, Christopher. It's so nice to look back at the video of that day. See, what happens is uh, I confess my love and devotion to her. She's standing right there. I'm up, up above a little bit more. And then I step down and she steps up. We had our reception that evening, dinner, up in Kleine Castle and drinks in the bar first. He does the dinner, I do a salad. And like then otherwise for entertainment, he'd be feeding the birds and chasing the squirrels. We enjoyed lots of great telly. We like to watch Gogglebox together. Within the last year, we discovered that. We get silly. <laughs> we'll be in bed nights, and all of a sudden, she'll think of something, and I'll think of something, and all of a sudden, we're crying, we're laughing too hard. And that's love. That's love. We like cuddling. Uh... I don't know. I think it's getting, it's gotten better. I'd say our relationship, even though it's troths of not so good, but they never last too long. It's like usually a little explosion or something. <laughs> um, we're at a stage now where we have to talk about the future and what that might hold for us. This year I turned 85. I'm just taking it. One step at a time now. Well, I know it's only a number, but it's an old number. <laughs> it's, it's a pretty high number. This year I'm going to be 90 years old, and I don't want to dwell on uh, the fact that uh, 90, uh, another year, you're 91. Will I be here? I hope so. If not, what the hell can I do about it? I tell you the truth. Uh, I wish I had started my life with her sooner because she's a wonderful person, really. I wake up in the morning and I, I say to her, I'm glad you're still here. Yeah, we're both glad we have each other because, I mean, I do have loads of interests, but I try to curtail them because I have too many and I can't get my act together for half of them, you know, that way. I'm in two or... Th I was in three book groups, at least. I've just about dropped the third because I know I can't read three books a month. I will admit the body is not what it was, you know. Balance is what really bothers me. I had three serious falls. Yeah, I got scars all over this poor little body. And I'm very careful. I make sure there's something to hold on to. I have a few, too few to mention. <laughs> I can't help it, my life is full of songs. 
I'm less and less afraid of death as time goes on. And I've seen people die a couple of times, and if you just die peacefully, I mean, you're, just go to sleep. Yeah, I think I would prefer to go first because I couldn't stand her not there anymore. She's my whole life. She's my whole life. Because I, even though she involved in this and that and everything, she comes home to me. And that's important. Do I believe that I'll meet her again? Oh, definitely. I'll wait for her. <laughs> Don't forget, we're not gone yet. We're still here. I've waited this long. And I do think that there must be an afterlife, some kind, because, you know, you have, it's so tragic when you lose, lose people, children, or, you know, there has to be a chance that you'd meet up again. I think he's very romantic. Don't you think, Ray? Yeah, I think I am. We're aiming for 100. We're both aiming for 100. And then after that, we'll see. <laughs> Keep going if we can. I see your face in every flower, your eyes in stars above. It's just the thought of you, the very thought of you. Just the thought of you, the very thought of you, my love.